Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Well, I uh, have another incredible win to announce this morning. We, uh, a couple weeks ago, I told you that we signed on the building, and uh, we're all very excited about that. And then uh, I said, but don't get too crazy yet. We haven't, uh, we haven't got the loan secured yet, and so you never know what can go on. And so uh, on Monday, I signed the papers on the loan. So the loan is in place, and that's fantastic. And uh, in this process, I've observed something that I have observed before, <laughs> and, uh, um, and that's this. At the moment that I'm going through what I need God to do next, I, I am sure that if, I could, if God would just come through with this, right? If he'd just come through with this, then I would be able to have the peace and the power and the sense of meaning, the sense of belonging, as though, okay, I, God, yeah, this is it. We are, this is where I need to be. This is, if you'll just do this, God, then away we go. And so um, when we were in the building process, the first thing we did is we, we, we put in a bid, and God, if you just, if you just get us, to, if they'll just accept our bid, and uh, then they did. And I was really happy for about 24 hours. And then it's like, okay, God, now we need to be able to sign this paper, right? So we're negotiating, we're going back and forth. And, and, and actually that week was probably the most pressure I think I've ever felt. Like lawyers and all that stuff. And, and so then, then that happened. And I'm really happy for like 24 hours. Like, God, I need you to... We need this loan. We've got to be able to get this loan through. And, and, and at each step, you see this happen. And so uh, this morning, how about you? Do you find yourself constantly needing God to do something? Now, in terms of the building and the loan and all that's going on with that, emotionally, it's kind of, kind of a big deal. It's still just a building, Okay. For, for many of us, and maybe you're here this morning, and, and <clears throat> you're like, yeah, I, I do need God to do something. Like, I'm broken. I do need God to do something. I'm broke. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I do need God to do something. Uh, I'm enslaved. I'm enslaved to uh, some kind of perverted sexual uh, situation going on in your life. Or I'm enslaved. I'm enslaved to... Um, alcohol or drugs or uh, you, you look at your life and you look at your marriage and you're like, God, I do need God to do something. I don't think I can live like this much longer. God, if you just do something, I need to see you. I need you to reveal yourself. I need to know who you are. And during those times, we tend to feel very alone. Like, God, I know you're out there somewhere, but where? Like, what are you going to do? You tend to feel really alone. And this morning, uh, we're specifically talking about giving your best for next year. As, uh, I, I do want you to know where I'm headed. Where I'm headed is um, we're going to begin collecting our faith promise cards. And uh, when you give according to, uh, with faith promise, you really are doing this. You're really deciding this year to give your best next year. What do I mean? I mean, you're, gonna, you're deciding, look, in my budget, 
and we all know what a budget is now because of momentum, right? In my budget, I am going to have this line that says, when I get my paycheck, the first X percentage of my paycheck is going to go to Jesus. It's going to go to God. And then I'm going to live off the rest. That's kind of what it means to give your best. Whatever you give first is your best. And so we're going to be talking about that today. And as we ask that question, um, I found this interesting passage in this journey where I'm going, God, I just need you to do this. God, I just need you to do this. God, I just need you to do this. And it's found in uh, Hebrews. It's actually the way Hebrews first begins. And it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So when you read the Old Testament, it's just great. Because in the Old Testament, it's story after story after story of people needing God to do something. And he does amazing things. So Moses is uh, gone back to Egypt and the, the Israelites have been in slavery for 400 years. God sends him back there to really let the people free, to be able to lead the people out of slavery. Just this incredible, amazing thing that needs to happen. And, and God, Moses needs God to do something, and he does. He sends these plagues. These plagues, uh, some of uh, the plagues were like, one was frogs, and uh, where, where uh, all these frogs just kind of, came out of nowhere and overtook the place and it was stinking it was horrible and and to show pharaoh look you need to you need to let these people go and there's another part of it which was god is more stronger than their god um another time they got boils and uh the israelites didn't get boils but all of the egyptians got boils and they were suffering and and you're like oh man that'd be awesome right you know there's people at work you're like oh god just send them plagues just send them plagues man you've got these when you drive to work in the morning, it'd be amazing to see if you got what you wanted. Where everybody else is just going through all this misery, but you, you can get through, right? Send them plagues. God, I need you to do something. And, and in the Old Testament, he, he did. There were times when uh, then they leave, and they finally get, go, and they come up against the Red Sea, and the army is coming behind them to recapture them and take them back, the Egyptian army. And so, so at that time, God, I need you to do something. God, I need you to do something. And he lays down the, the staff, and he, he splits the Red Sea. And so they walk through this wall of water. They get to the other side, and now comes the army, and God lets that water fall in. He totally destroys their enemy. You're like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I need God to do. I need God to be like that in my life. And we tend to say something like, well, yeah, that was in the Old Testament. We don't really see him do those kinds of things anymore. He also gave them specific words. He would reveal himself, and so when they were going to go to war, then they would, they would ask God, should we go to war? Are we going to succeed or not? What should we do? And God, through the prophets, would tell them what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But it's interesting, as you did read the Old Testament, uh, they had the same problem. They'd be like, oh God, that's all we need you to do if you do that. And then 
they'd go back to their old way of life. Oh God, we need you to rescue us. And then they'd go back to their old way of life. He says, in the old days, that's how it used to be. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. This is how this ties into Christmas. You see, in this day, he speaks to you through Jesus. He says, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So, so now you can know who God is, and you can know him intimately because he has actually sent his son. He goes on to say, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. I love that line. What's God like? I don't know who God is. I don't understand God. I don't really know who God is. If God would just show me himself, he has. He has shown exactly what he's like in his son. You want to know what God's like? Read all about Jesus. You want to know what God is like? You want to know what God's doing in your life? You want to understand what's going on? Find out about Jesus. Now, we're not talking about a religion. We're talking about a person. The sun is a radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. You want to know how the world works? Meet Jesus. Interact with Jesus. Don't just find out who Jesus is, but in your heart, open your heart to who he is. How do I believe in someone I've never seen? Well, okay, you didn't literally see him but he literally came, people saw him and wrote down all of those things. Not only that, he's still alive. His word is still speaking. What do you mean? The Bible is not like any other book on the face of the earth. Have you ever noticed that it's very difficult to read more than like a page or two of the Bible? If you ever said like, if I said to you, look, this week I want you to read Ephesians, you'd go, the whole book? Ephesians is about five pages long. Why is it so hard to read much of the Bible? Because it speaks. Because it's alive. Because there's so much there that it kind of blows you away. It's alive. God's word through Christ is alive. He says, after he had provided purification for sins. What? Yeah. You have questions about your value? You have questions about your hurts and your hang-ups and your habits? The stuff you're enslaved to? Jesus came to purify you. Let me ask you this. If you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror and you knew that Jesus was purifying you, what's that do to your heart? If someone walked up to you and goes, there's just one thing I know about you, man. 
you're pure. What does that do to your heart? You see that? See that woman right there? She's pure. Wow. It does something to this up and down thing, doesn't it? Oh God, I need you to do this. Well, when he shows you who he is, his exact representation to God, and you can actually meet God, you can know God, you can enter into a relationship with God, that's not something that you go, God, I just need you to do one more thing. That's something that when you accept that, you're like, that's all I need. That's all I need. You can live from there. You can live from that place. When you know that God has purified you, oh, you can live from that place. Your circumstances can go up and down, inside, outside. They can go all over the place. But when you remember this, and this is true for your life, I'm pure because of his purification. You can live from there. And yes, you may want those other things to happen, but for your joy and your peace and your strength and your meaning and your purpose, you don't need those things to happen. Because you are pure. It says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In other words, he revealed himself to you, he did amazing work on your behalf, and it's complete, it's done, it's finished. How do you interact with that? Have you ever met this man called Jesus? Did you talk to him this morning? This morning, did you wake up and were you reminded of who he is and that he has come to meet you? Well, this, this year has been an amazing year. It's been an amazing year of wins. And so for a few minutes, I want to talk about this and enjoy it. I, re I just want to enjoy it this year. This past year has been an incredible year in the life of Skyline. I want to start with this. Linda Nadson. Linda, would you wave? I just said your name and they went crazy, Linda. How about that? Linda's still with us. She has stage four cancer, lung cancer. She's had it for how long now, Linda? And I remember when she was diagnosed with this. I remember people praying and I remember thinking, ah, she's not going to make it, guys. When this happens, you don't, you don't make it. And she's still here. She made it through 2016. That's an amazing win. This week, Margaret Cable. Margaret, is there any way you can wave? Can, Don, can you wave for her? There she is. 
She turns 90 this week. Happy birthday. She's heard that 90 times. That's incredible. That's incredible. This year, 34 people were baptized at Skyline Church. 34 people. That's like 10% of our church. That's incredible. Now, I don't ever want to miscon I don't want to ever want to confuse this. Baptism does not save you. You don't go to heaven because you get baptized. But baptism is when you go, this is the person I trust. Over 30 people are going to spend eternity in heaven. And we got to see that? That's an incredible win. Like, that's an incredible year. I'm telling you, when I started Skyline, if you told me there's going to be a year and there's going to be 30 people, over 30 people, I'd be like, oh, man, if, I get, if that happens, I'll be happy the rest of my life. I, don't, I can retire. I, that's going to be awesome. This year, this is something you guys may not know about, but um, in junior high, we have worked and worked. Our, our Sky Kids department has always been amazing and, and getting people involved. When, when we hit the junior high ministry, we have struggled to have people that are leaders for junior high. And so a couple of years ago, Laz um, and Jenny Del Salto became junior high leaders and, and they have been faithful. They've been learning. It's, it's been amazing to watch them. But we couldn't get another either couple or people to join them. And this year, I said to Erica, I said, look, Erica, you got to sit down with them and go, look, if you guys need to step out, we totally understand. If you didn't know, junior high ministry, can, they can tire you out. And they said, no, this is where God wants us. This year, two other couples, four people, joined them in the junior high ministry. That's a huge win. It's a really cool thing. It's a big deal. Next, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, Freedom to Grow. Freedom to Grow is something we started a few years ago because we're like, look, we want to be able to get a building, and to get a building, you got to have money. And so uh, we said, look, let's, let's do what you, needs to be done. And we started uh, sacrificially giving um, to Freedom to Grow. We started sacri sacrificially giving in, in the hopes of getting a building. And so recently, we've been super... Uh, uh, celebrating these things. Um, right now, we've had $485,000 given to Freedom to Grow. We will, we will surpass $500,000 this year. Incredible. <laughs> the only reason that we won the bid to get that building is because we had such a large down payment. We wouldn't have gotten it. It was like, it's this huge win that's taking place. So I, I want to tell you a little bit more about this uh, right now because uh, quite honestly, this fall has been so full of good things. We just haven't had time to be able to talk about everything. And so earlier in the fall, I told you we were going to have a Freedom to Grow recommitment Sunday. And if, for those of you who, who take, pay attention to details, you're like, I don't think we ever had that. Why did they announce that and then we never had it? 
Well, it's because we announced it, it was shortly after that that the building became a possibility. And so we're like, okay, let's make sure we have the building. Let's keep moving through with this. Then we've run into to, to Christmas. And so uh, we are going to have the Freedom to Grow Recommitment Sunday on January 8th. On January 8th. So we're going to be able to purchase the building with what's already come in. Um, and we're going to need about $200,000 to get that. And pretty soon you're going to notice I'm not going to call it the building anymore. It's the campus. It's the Skyline campus. There's actually three buildings on the property, right? And I think campus sounds so much more cool than building. Don't you think campus sounds cool? Right. So it's the Skyline campus, all right? And uh, it's going to take about $200,000 to, to be able to fix that up. And so there's a number of people that uh, weren't here when we started Freeman to Grow. And so on that date, they're going to be able to join in and go, Look, I want to be a part of Freeman to Grow too. And they'll say, hey, over the next year, a few months, I'd like, to, I'd like to buy faith. We're going to sacrifice this as we're going to give. For others of you, uh, you're like, hey, financially, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. And so I'd like to add to that, and we're going to be able to do that that day. But then there's a group of people who, who pledged, and they're like, it just, it just has not gone well. Or I, I pledged, but I, I don't think I can do it. And so they've given up. But, that's, how, that's what we all do, right? You really want to do something, then you give up. So on the Freedom for Grow recommitment, some of the people are going to go, you know what, I'm going to cut this in half. I'm going to cut my pledge in half. I'm going to re-pledge, but half as much as I was before, and I'm going to get back on the horse, be back together. Because remember, we're doing this because we want to be together. It's really about we're going to do this together. So that's going to happen with the Freedom to Grow. Freedom to Grow, huge win in 2016. Huge win. The next I want to introduce you to something called uh, Skyline 2020. Skyline 2020 was, I was actually going to introduce it this fall, um, but so many great things have been happening, uh, I haven't been able to. And uh, this is our plan for the year 2020. What's Skyline going to look like in the year 2020? And so we're not kicking it off with big fanfare, but that's okay because we believe in the tortoise versus the hare, right? We believe that, that what really counts is that you do what you say you're going to do and you move toward that. So here's this uh, Skyline 2020, and these are goals. Hey, this is where we'd like to go and where we'd like to move. It starts with uh, average attendance, and uh, right now we're a little bit over that first one, which is 250 adults and 95 kids. And uh, as you work down through there, that's growing at about 25%, which means in five years, we'd have like 713 people on a Sunday morning, right? Which means that our campus would be entirely full. Like we just be packed out and uh, then we get to make more goals and move from there. So the next thing I want to, this is what I want to show you is this, this next piece. We kind of came up with three, three goals. We didn't kind of, we did. So I'll pop to the next slide. Here's the first one. Create a church that takes people who have no Bible knowledge and take them down a path that builds their life on grace in every arena of their life. So um, I talk about this a lot. It's because it's where my heart is. It's what I love. I love, 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 love reaching people who have no church background. I love it. I'm wired that way. Like, it's just what, it's the thing that wakes me up in the morning. It's the th I love it. And so, but there's an interesting thing that happens when you reach people that have no church background. They have no clue what the Bible says. And the way they've learned their lives is totally opposite of what the Bible says. And so 
how are we going to, as a church, not just reach them and help them come to Christ, but how are we going to help them in the arenas of their life, in their marriage, in their finances, in their parenting, other areas of their life, how are we going to help them to succeed? Because believing in Jesus doesn't cause you to understand how to handle your money, right? You've got to taught, be taught that and follow it up and, and, and move forward. And so then uh, that was the, the goal. Here's the objectives of that goal. First of all, offer five arena ministries uh, up and running and led by lay leaders by the fall of 2020. Now here's the interesting thing about this. I had no idea how we were going to do this. When I wrote this goal, I had no, uh, this objective, I had no idea how we were going to do this. This year, I happened to go to a conference to, to learn something from that church. And when I, about three weeks before I went there, I found out they weren't doing the thing I thought I was going to learn from them. It was a total mix-up. And uh, so I went anyway to find out what was going on. And while I was there, uh, God revealed to me exactly how we're going to do every one of these arenas. It was amazing. I, I had no idea how we are going to do it. Then, uh, on top of that, number three is facilities for arenas finished by the fall of 2018. And underneath that objective is that we're going to create a place or spaces where we do these arenas, where we help people to succeed at this. Where after our church people learn how to do this, then you begin to invite other people. Because you know that every person, you, every person in your life needs help with their marriage. Everybody you know does. Almost everybody you know needs help with their finances. And so they may not come to church with you, but they might come to one of these with you. And so we wanted these facilities to be awesome. And so uh, I, I kind of gave that job to Mike Tucci, and both of us looked at each other and went, this is going to be impossible. How in the world are we going to do this? But both of us are foolish enough to go, yes, we are. We're going to do that. And, and, and off we go. And uh, the other people on the business team, and, the, and, and then this fall, we got news of this building, which is now a campus. And when I walked into the old church, which is the gutted church, I was like, I think we can make this the coolest building in Bloomfield. It's amazing. What a huge win. It, it's really something. And these are things where we set this having no idea how we could do it. And we're seeing these wins happen in 2016. The next goal is uh, build a staff that effectively manages a healthy church of 500 adults. The first thing we wanted to do was a lead administrative assistant. We'd been working on that for a year. And this fall, we finally hired our lead administrative assistant. Huge win. Next goal. You don't have to keep clapping. We've had so many wins you can't clap at all. You'd be tired. Number three, create a church family who fully funds our mission and has 10% of budget towards new initiative. And that is all about faith promise and the connection of momentum. In other words, the fact that you learn to handle your money God's way. If you learn to do 10, 10, 80, if you learn to give your best, the first 10% goes to God. Second 10%, now they say 15%, but I'd be happy with 10% at this point. 10% goes to savings, and you live off the rest, that goal is going to happen. There's no way around it. It's going to happen. If you as a church, we don't have to grow any more people. We can stay the same number of people as we are now. And if we learn to live that way, in terms of our ability to fund this incredible mission that God has for us, win after win after win 
after win. So, I love being around a winner. All of us do. There's a few 10% of you that are Jets fans, but everybody else loves to be around a winner. That's <laughs> oh, sorry, I help it. <laughs> All right? Love, you love to be around a winner. Everybody loves to be around a winner. And I'm often tempted, I'm often very tempted to pr- try to present Skyline as a winner. Like, we're winning, we're succeeding, we're moving. Look at this, man, jump on board. You should give because you'll know that your money is going toward a winner. That is not in the Bible. Not in any way, shape, or form. Not in any way, shape, or form. What's in the Bible is defining moments. And defining moments are when you are exposed to something true. And at first you're like, wait, 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 that doesn't seem right. It doesn't fit your life. It doesn't agree with what you've always thought. It doesn't agree with what you've experienced. But Jesus comes into your light and he shines a light in your life and he says, this is what's true. And once you trust him, once you stay in the light long enough to trust him, it changes your life. Christopher and I have this defining moment. Christopher's my son. So when Christopher was growing up, uh, we played sports together, and I had this basic general principle. I'm never going to let him win. I'll never let him win. If he's going to beat me, it's going to be because he beat me. So when we started off basketball, this is how we played. We played the 10, and he, I always started, he had nine points, and I had zero. And so if he could just make one basket, he could beat me. And so... Through those years, I never let him win. And then as he got older, I would give him less points. So as he got better at basketball, I'd not only give him eight points. Then I'd give him down to five, down to zero. So we would play, and he's 14, he's 15, and he's, he's playing hard, and it's zero, zero, but he never wins. And we play, and we play. And we played a lot. We didn't play every day, but we played almost every day. We would play and play and play and play and play. Never, ever let him win. When he was 16, this one day, he beat me. And it was a defining moment. How do I know that? Because I've never beat him since. (laughs) You see, when he was 15, 14 and a half, He was actually better than I was. He just didn't know it. And he kept getting better and kept getting better. He was better than I was. He didn't know it. This is is really an amazing thing. It's not like I quit trying. I, I could never beat him again. Why? Because he came to see the truth of who he really was. And it changed everything. That's what a defining moment is. A defining moment is not when a great thing happens. Us getting a church building is not a defining moment. When we find out who Jesus is, and we let his truth impact our lives, that is a defining moment that then changes the circumstances. Your circumstances changing are not a defining moment. You meeting Jesus 
is a defining moment. There's a, there's a particular thing that happened in history that created the possibility for you to have a defining moment. It's found in Luke 2. While they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the, their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. You need God to do something? He's done it. Whatever thing that you have going on in your life, you need God to do something? Our church needs God to do something? He's done it. He has come to you and to me, and he offers to be your Savior. From what? Well, first of all, from yourself. And secondly, anything that comes after that. Has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the promised one who's going to make things right. The Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This Christmas has the potential to be a defining moment for you. The time in your life when you go, you know what? I am going to stand in the light. I'm going to let what Jesus says is true. I'm going to begin to believe that and interact with that and move forward with that. I'd like you to uh, take out your faith promise card because I want you to understand this. Uh, I'm going to explain to you how it works. Uh, on the one side, you have your name and then how you figure up how much you're going to give um, each month. It's basically, you choose a percentage. And based on that percentage, you're like, okay, this is the best. I'm going to give the first 10%. You're like, I can't, I can't, I, I've never given before. I can't do that. I wouldn't know how to do that. My first and true word to you is this. So trust him. Trust him. Now some of you just went through momentum and you're like, uh, I'm so far in debt. I don't think that's right. I think this year I'm going to give this percentage and I'm going to pay off that debt. And then next year I'm going to give the 10%. You work that through with God. But we are asking that all of us are going to turn in one of these cards. Even if it's $5. You're going to turn in one of these cards. We're going to do this together. But why should I do that? Why should I? Because we're winners? Nah. Not because we're winners. You can invest in a lot of winners that just don't have any meaning. It doesn't really matter. I suggest you do this because Christmas has become, has become or is becoming a defining moment for you
365 days a year. In other words, you are interacting with Jesus and you're finding out, you know what? He came for me. He's God in my life. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my purpose. He is my belonging. It's found in this relationship that I have with Jesus. And that's where I live from. And number two, because Jesus has called you to join him in building a church or a church family that sets up defining moments all year long. That's what we do. If you're going to invest your money into Skyline, it's because Jesus has called you to be a part of what we're doing. And what we do is we set up defining moments. Every Sunday when we come up here and these guys lead in worship and they're pouring their hearts into that and they're preparing for that all week and I'm preparing for that and the Sky Kids people are preparing and working and for all that. You know why we do that? So we can win? No. So we can get a building? No. So we can set up defining moments. So we can set up times where people will come and they will hear about Jesus. And they will find out that God is revealing himself. He's going to show himself. And he, is going to, he wants to purify them. You see, we want little children to have defining moments. Where they walk in back there and they find out that God created the universe. And that same God who created the universe loves them. Is that a defining moment? If that kid accepts that, if he learns that, if, he, if that becomes a part of his heart, oh my goodness, what a defining moment. The rest of his life, when the world is going, come here, take this, smoke this, try this, satisfy yourself. He's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Jesus satisfies me. There's another way. What a defining moment. We set up defining moments. That's what we do. You want to give to that? You want to be a part of that? I know you do. You love that. Why? Because in our hearts, it's not that we need Jesus to give us a campus. It's that Jesus has given his life to us and we live from there and therefore I'm going to give my best to him let's pray Lord Jesus thank you thank you that you are at the core of our defining moments thank you that you pursue us and you set up these moments and you interact with us Thank you for all the wins this year. But most of all, we thank you that we can celebrate those not thinking we need that. We have to have that. And now that we, we need more of that. We can celebrate it going, yeah. At the core, we have peace and joy and power. And wow, look at what Jesus has given us to live those things out. 
as we sing and as we we pray and I mean as we sing as we worship as we're about to turn in our cards as we're going to write down those numbers I pray that because of you and because of your pur- the purity and because of your sacrifice and your love we're just filled and we're so cheerful we're so happy we're so excited to be a part of you and what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen.